0: Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Fresh Out the Deli podcast. I'm Nick Sicali. I'm the founder of Fresh Out the Deli and the writer at the St. James Plain Dealer. And uh, joining me for the first time is uh, a longtime friend and a first-time contributor at Fresh Out the Deli, Troy Proheron. Troy, what's going on? Nothing much. Uh, Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to (laughs) finally have you on the podcast and to have your first ever article uh, kind of show up online. You are a writer at MLV.com, an intern yes. in beat writing for the Mets. Yeah. And uh, later on this week, we're going to have an interview up online, kind of talking about your job there and what you've kind of learned about baseball in your last two years of an intern with uh, MLV.com and kind of some of your stories and things like that. But for this first episode this week, I figured we'd uh, talk about the WWE.
1: My favorite thing to talk about.
0: Yeah. In honesty. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yesterday was a big night. This, we're recording on Monday, right after Money in the Bank. And uh, the article you just put up was about Dean Ambrose winning the championship for the first time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought, I sat there last night. I had two instant reactions to that. My first reaction was, oh my God, Dean called his shot that never happens in the WWE. Because at that moment, I couldn't think of any time where. The WWE drops a hint like that and it actually happened. I don't know if you can think of anything that happened like that.
0: No, it was surprisingly unsurprising, you know, like a lot of times heading into these pay per views, they kinda choreograph or telegraph what's gonna happen coming up and yeah. you don't really anticipate that actually happening or or you'll get really hyped up about it and then it won't, or they'll fail you somehow. And this time they set it. They set it up like that, and that's exactly how it played out. There wasn't any fooling around. Yeah. So I I thought that
1: too, and then I kind of sat on it a little bit, and I was like, "Well, Orton kind of did the same thing in 2013 when he cashed in Money in the Bank."
0: And that was against uh, Daniel, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: When, I mean, he the, leading up to that, Orton would always said, uh, "You know, watch out for me. I'm going to cash in," and then. Bryan, Daniel Bryan won, Triple H pedigreed him and then Orton cashed in. And then it kind of happened in twenty fourteen too with Seth Rollins. That entire WrestleMania lead up was Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and then Rollins tripping and saying, Yeah, but watch out for me.
0: The difference between the two of those I feel like though is they cash like the cash in is always slightly predictable because once you have somebody with a briefcase, you know there's always like the one percent chance that it happens. Mm-hmm. And they could always tease that. But with those guys, even Orton, he had the briefcase for a short amount of time before that. And, you know, it was a, a handful of weeks leading up to it where he's like, I'm going to cash in when you win. I'm going to cash in when you win to uh, Daniel Bryan. So when it finally happened, you were kind of disappointed, uh, not disappointed. It was expected, but it still came out of nowhere because you weren't exactly sure when he was going to do it. But Dean, he won it and it was, he you know, he had the briefcase for all of 25 minutes. <laughs> Which, it it was truly amazing. I can't remember of any time. I don't think
1: they've ever done it that way to where he's cashed in on the same day. Well, I think the one time they did it was when they had money in the bank at WrestleMania. And he cashed in the day after WrestleMania. Right. I don't think it's ever happened that fast before. And so I think for them to do that was kind of shocking. But you're right. It shouldn't have been surprising, especially after Dean won. If it obviously, if Dean hadn't won, then things change.
0: So I thought there was a chance that this would happen because they were teasing it uh, this week, and it makes sense to put the Shields together, even if you would think it might be for a bigger stage, the money in, a, in the bank, or for even SummerSlam, even though it's pr- been pretty big lately. But yeah, once they had the ladder match, not as the opening match, I thought it was... Like, the further along in the card we got and the further back the ladder match got pushed, I thought there was less of a chance that it would happen. Just because it's rare that they'll have a guy wrestle and then like one match later come in again and wrestle and win something
1: yeah i mean the thing that was weird to me in all honesty was that dean won because i look back at it and it's almost the guy who wins that ladder match is never the guy you would put at the top of your list for winning like last year sheamus won right and And, and, and and nobody wanted sheamus to win
0: seth won the year before and it was not 100 percent predictable because you had the whole Kane thing, and you're like, wow, they could actually give it to Kane just if he turns yeah. on Seth. And there were, I think, Ambrose may have also been in that match, and there were like a he handful was. of other people that could win. Like, Seth was yeah. the favorite, but he wasn't the favorite by a lot.
1: And I think Dean was the favorite a lot. I think going into the night, I picked Cesaro. I thought he was the superstar that was good enough to be Mr. Money in the Bank, but was the dark horse that always seems to win Money in the Bank. And really, just away from winners and all, it was a great ladder match. I went back and watched it this morning, just because I really didn't feel like I maybe grasped it all that well last night. And I went back and watched it this morning, and it was fantastic.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get right into that now, since we're on the on the subject. Let's just oh. start talking to the ladder match.
1: All right, that's cool. Um, I really the thing that the thing that kind of said to me is the little things they did. Um, I thought it was. Some of the things I picked up on, I thought it was really cool that Jericho was the first person to bring a ladder into the ring with him being the person that invented the match. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the little scene where Jericho had Dean in the ladder and he was trying to hit him 69 times with it because of all the tacks um, from the asylum match last month. The rivalry with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was able to, you know, kind of get pushed Mm -hmm. along a little bit in that match. I thought they did a lot of good things in that match um, and kind of pushed every superstar pretty well.
0: Yeah, they started right off the bat. I wasn't sure exactly because when you ever have a match with, you know, six or seven people in it, you don't know exactly who's going to attack who. And right away, all of the guys went to the feuds that they've been having for the last two months but as the match evolved, it kind of went away from that, and they all started kind of fighting each other, which was nice. You started with, like, the familiar ground and kind of expected, and then it went to the unexpected. And uh, the other thing that I really appreciated about this ladder match in particular is that, as far as I could remember, the last three or four ladder matches have had these huge spots where, like, somebody comes flying off from, like, the highest ladder they could possibly find, crashing onto yeah. a table, and it explodes or crushing five people— or breaking a ladder like Dean did, uh, I think, at WrestleMania last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are always these spots like that. And this one didn't really have that. It was, but they all utilized the ladders in kind of different ways than we usually see. I mean, it started with uh, um, Del Rio, grabbed the ladder and used it as a fly swatter to get people <laughs> off of the mat- thing. I've never yeah. actually seen them use the ladder to get the people off from the top of the other ladders. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And uh, there were just a lot of a lot of ladders being used as a weapon. Cesaro had the thing where he swung Jericho into it that looked like like extremely painful. Owens had the frog uh, splash when Dean was laying on top of one. Uh, Owens yeah. had his nuts uh, you know get crushed <laughs> when he landed on one after he fell off the top ladder. But like there weren't any of these huge like holy shit moments. But there were just a lot of really good ladder hits. I think Cesaro took one off the head and flew out of the ring at one point. Yeah, and I, I thought that was an interesting take on it. They didn't do anything too shocking or too splashy. It was just a lot of really good moves and constant action throughout.
1: Yeah, I thought the the one move that stood out to me that I was like, I can't believe that happened was when Sami Zayn hit the uh, Moshioku driver on Owens with the ladder standing on its side. It looked excruciatingly painful.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of spots that looked painful, but they just weren't, they weren't the the usual, like, that's supposed to look like it hurts because they fell 50 feet. Or because yeah. they landed on, like, top of 15 ladders, even though it doesn't really hurt anymore to land on 15 instead of one. Well, they kind of, they, they I was
1: surprised they did this because they set up that thing at the end there <laughs> where they had the two lot ladders intersecting with the ladder that ended up winning it. And I thought for sure, just watching that whole sequence, that I was thinking there's going to be like a double power bomb, and like five people are going to go through this thing. And it's going to be – that's how the match is going to end is that five people go through this thing and the last person left wins. Surprisingly, it never happened. Nothing really came of them <laughs> connecting all of them like that. Yeah, really? sp-
0: they spent a good like 30 or 40 seconds assembling the thing and then you had like – I think it was Jericho was trying to put it together, but he couldn't. And then <laughs> you saw, like, Sami Zayn on the floor kind of pushing it towards him to help him <laughs> at one point because, like, he couldn't get it synced up to <laughs> the perfect distance. And, so, like, it took them a long time to assemble that whole thing. And it it was cool because you had the people fighting on both sides and it had everybody in the ring at one moment. Yeah. But well, that, that's it, the it, like they it, didn't really utilize the thing in terms of, like, it, it as, like, a death machine.
1: That's, that's the thing I liked about This Money in the Bank more so than other... Money in the Banks, is that everybody was in the ring at that crucial time where people are trying to win it, where in the past, you had the the six guys in the ring for maybe the first five minutes of the match, and then it's just basically an alternating two guys in there, climbing up the ladder and then beating each other up, ultimately to the point where somebody wins.
0: There was never a moment where one of the guys seemed out of commission permanently uh, like, it seemed like everybody, even if they, you know, were out, out for a minute or so, they weren't gone forever, forgotten about. Like, you just had them constantly coming back into the ring, and most of the action took place in the ring. Not even at that last uh, that last spot where they had the Eiffel Tower up yeah. there, but it was just that throughout the whole match, most of the stuff happened in the ring. You didn't feel like you were missing much, and it was all kind of right there in front of you.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a, a fabulous match. And I kind of want to go back to what I said because I had mentioned that I had two thoughts, and mm-hmm. I mentioned the first thought. Oh yeah, second, go ahead. The second thought is what I chose to write about, mm-hmm. um, and that was I sat I sat down last night and I was just kind of laying down trying to go to sleep, and I thought, oh my god, you know, you think back two years ago when the Shield broke up, and I think if you watch WWE now, you watch Monday Night Raw, and whenever they mention the Shield, you get that visual image of Seth Rollins hitting Roman Reigns. In- in the back with that chair. And that's it. That's what basically is the image that defines the downfall of the shield. But what i always remembered vividly from that thing was just the ass whooping that Dean Ambrose took after that.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. I remember that too.
1: (laughs) And, you know, I thought ever since that happened, obviously Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins have gone on to be the two biggest names in this company. Um, especially since Daniel Bryan retired and John Cena has gotten hurt. These have been the two guys that have carried WWE now for the last two years. And Dean was every bit as big as those guys were when The Shield was together. And he's been big over the last two years, but he hasn't been as big as they were. I I think what I called it in the article was poetic justice, for him to go out there, thwart these two guys, and finally, after this whole two-year journey, get to that place where they have been now, and uh, the Shield is finally back atop that WWE dominance, even though they're not together anymore.
0: Dean has become the first champion since Daniel Bryan to not be what fans kind of see as the hand-picked guy or the ideal look of a champion because they had Seth won it, and Seth was fantastic when he was champion last year. Oh, he's great. he did everything he did. Like, he deserved so much praise. But he was with the authority. He was the authority figure, just like Randy Orton was for years before him. And he was the hand-picked guy, the well-dressed, the evil guy, and he fit that role perfectly. But he was hand-picked. And then when Roman, even if, like, you know, he was seen as a baby face by the company or, like, storyline-wise, the fans always were mad at him for kind of stealing Daniel Bryan's spot and then never really gave up or uh, forgave him for that, even though yeah. it may not be – the hate might not be warranted with him anymore, but he's still seen as the hand-picked guy, the guy that's the future of the company, the guy that might one day replace John Cena as selling the most merchandise and, you know, being there for, like, all of the uh, – the Make-It-A-Wish Foundation? Yeah. Stuff like that's that's their hopes for Roman. So he's also handpicked in that sense. And everybody knows he's handpicked even though the storyline might not say it. And, you know, Sheamus was also a corporate kind of guy when he won for the, like the week and a half. Yeah. So this is the first time since Daniel Bryant won two years ago uh, that you had uh, somebody win and become champion without like this giant push. Because Dean has always been kind of on the fringes of everything.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't, I, 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 I don't truly understand WWE fans over the last couple of years because it seems like, I guess now I can add Dean to that list because he seems to be pretty well accepted as champion. But before this, the only two guys WWE fans wanted as champion were Seth Rollins and Daniel
0: Bryan, and CM Punk before that.
1: Well, yeah, and <laughs> I just feel like as fans you have to realize that two guys can't be champion for so long like that i ultimately i think that's what rubbed people the wrong way with cena because i think cena obviously was so popular for so long but there was not enough talent in the wwe so they just kept giving him championship after championship eventually that wears on people and that's why I don't understand why the WWE fans can only tolerate three people being champions and everybody else they boo when they're champion.
0: Right. If if Dean has a run now, which I don't think will happen, I think he'll lose the belt pretty quickly. But if he if he has a run now, let's say he went in the next two years, he won the belt three times and held it for like seventy five percent of the of of the year, I don't think people would uh, really be fans of Dean anymore. They'd get bored of him, and they'd start booing him every time he came out, and unless his character changed, they'd kind of get sick of it.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. He he has gotten so good over the last couple
0: months. I, you're definitely a bigger Dean Ambrose fan than I am. Am so, I? I? Yeah, reading your, uh, reading your column that you put up today, I, I like Dean a lot. I think he's one of the best wrestlers that they have. Just in the ring, all of his matches are really exciting. But I feel like the last few feuds that he's had have either gone on a little too long or kind of lost steam halfway through. Uh, Like, the Jericho, some of the matches that he's had with Jericho have been fun. But the feud, I really didn't care that much about. Like, I didn't care who won or lost the matches. It wasn't that interesting. It just kind of seemed like it was in a... They were just kind of holding until something bigger would happen. And uh, I think he had... I'm trying to remember. I don't think there's been a time since when he and Seth Rollins were feuding before either of them was champion right after the Shield broke up that I really felt mm-hmm. that he had a really strong feud going with someone.
1: I can I can understand that, but I personally, I think I think Dean's become must-watch TV lately. He is extremely funny. He's extremely fun to watch in the ring and um I honestly thought that that Jericho feud brought out the best in him. And maybe that's a complete credit to Chris Jericho and how good he is on the microphone. But they were really just fun to watch, just yell at each other and blame each other for everything. And the
0: antics they did was really funny. It did seem like two people that just didn't like each other. It felt like two people that didn't like each other and they had the banter going back and forth. And it felt like it was... even if, the, if it's a, a petty reason or uh, it felt like there was a reason involved it wasn't just like a random thing
1: yeah i mean i like i think seth and roman is going to be a tremendous rivalry but really for the most part it's going to be an in-ring rivalry i can al- so i can always respect a rivalry when it can be more than just in-ring talent but it can also include a lot of good stuff from you know mic skills and stuff like that
0: yeah i agree and dean has improved on the mic The one thing I've always wished with Dean was they call him the lunatic fringe and he really hasn't done anything that crazy or psychopathic. I always wished that they just kicked it up one more notch with him that like, yeah, he's weird and he does kind of goofy things and he says some stuff every (laughs) once in a while. He never, you never actually think he's going to like get somebody with a chainsaw and kill them or like he doesn't just, he never snaps. I always want him to snap like at least once. Like, do yeah. something to piss him off that he, like, goes off the de- deep end for one week and just, like, wreaks havoc and beats up, like, ten people for no reason just because he's furious. And he could still be a babyface and do that. But he needs that – he's not nearly as crazy as he should be. Yeah,
1: he's not a lunatic. He is,
0: he is the Mick Foley of this generation. Right. Or or, or aspiring to be. Yeah.
1: And that, that's all he is. Um, but – but he's been entertaining doing so.
0: Yeah, he has. And I, I do like most of his matches. And I I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm against uh, Dean because I think Dean's really good. And all three of those guys in the Shield have been carrying the WWE for the last few years now. And with all those injuries, and even, though, and even them, they've gotten injured at times. But Dean's the only one that hasn't. He's been around for the whole... Like, post-Shield breakup, he's never not fought in a pay-per-view. And that's maybe another reason why I'm a little bored of him, just because he hasn't disappeared at all. Yeah. But I think he's done a really good job at kind of developing uh, as a talent. Okay. Uh, Do you want to run through the card real fast? Yeah, let's run through it. All right. So, starting in the pre-show, which I did not watch, uh, we had The Golden Truth, which I am a huge fan of The Golden Truth. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> who isn't? I think anytime, anytime
1: you get our truth, if anything, that that's must watch TV.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm a big Goldust fan. I like that they're both veterans. They've been around for a while. They've been jobbers for the last year and a half or so. Yes. and they're finally getting a push, even if it's a goofy one and one that they've lost. You know, eighty percent of their matches so far. They this is this is their first win. But I like and, that, and it's against two people that everybody despises: Tyler Breeze and Fandango.
1: I, I did watch the pre-show. Um, this, but it was nothing what I expected because they moved Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler match into the main <laughs> show to to basically push the times that the main event could be out of the NBA Finals.
0: I wrote down one, the first note that I took yesterday was. <laughs> I, that I was devastated when I found out that the Corbin <laughs> and Ziegler match was actually on the card and that I hadn't just skipped over it. I well, was you know, it had to be a
1: decision that <laughs> WWE made two days before Money in the Bank because on Monday, before Money in the Bank, they advertised it as the pre the show match. Right. And it showed in the pre show matches because that golden truth. Ty Dango, whatever the heck their name is. It's a dumb tag team. I'm Breezango. Not... It Breezango? Should be, it should
0: be for Breeze, but it's Breezango.
1: I am not a fan. They need to stop that. What happened to Tyler Breeze? He was always terrible. He was terrible, but he got that big push against Ziggler when he first came, and now he's nobody. Anyway, That match was absurd. You had two guys, they were sunburnt, they had terrible, terrible makeup work on their body, it looked like they were peeling.
0: It looked absolutely gross when they showed the highlights later on, and like, I know that it's, it, there's no way they were actually sunburned and peeling, but it just felt so <laughs> disgusting watching it, like, I just, I, don't, I can't believe that match exists. I can't believe we've talked about this match for more than 20 seconds. It was, but the reason why is because it was so absurd, and
1: the match did nothing more than just Arch Truth and Gold Dust. They were just patting people on the sunburn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good for them. I hope they get a, a little push. Maybe they can beat no. the Dudley Boys next month. And what were the other matches on the pre show? I can't and even The second remember. one was the Lucha Dragons, who've become the most boring tag team of all time, versus <laughs> the Dudley Boys, who've become the, the, uh, somehow more boring than Lucha Dragons. <laughs> I honestly didn't even remember
1: this was a match, another match that they didn't advertise at all. This wasn't even a rivalry.
0: No, it well, was just a match. match. It was a way to get the Dudley boys into a pay-per-view for no reason. <laughs> they have
1: become – I honestly feel like the WWE meant to give them a 10th tag team championship by this point, And the New Day just kind of took off mm-hmm. and they couldn't, they couldn't bring themselves to stop the New Day's tag team run. Yeah, so I agree. Boys, I agree
0: a hundred percent with that.
1: <laughs> and so the Dudley Boys are just stuck in this awful, awful rut where they are just nobody.
0: Yeah, they they went in thinking that they would beat the New Day, if not the first time, up the second time, and get that tenth championship, and maybe hold it for a month or two, and then you know walk off into the sunset. But the New Day got so big so quickly that they really couldn't. Uh, have the new day drop the titles that yet they needed the titles to mean something. And they kind of swerved at the last minute. Now the Dudleys have just been sitting there losing <laughs> to these terrible tag teams that nobody cares about. And then they get really mad for no reason. It really doesn't Look, make much sense. They're not even interesting to watch anymore.
1: Like there are old people in the WWE that I like watching. I don't mind watching Chris Jericho. I actually think he still puts on a pretty good match.
0: Oh, I love Jericho and he, his vote his mic work is still probably the best in the company.
1: The Dudley boys are not interesting in the ring, and they're really kind of annoying on the mic. The thing is is that this isn't the Attitude Era anymore, and so the get-the-tables thing to me is just kind of stale. I get it. It's nostalgic. It was fun when they first came back. It's really kind of boring now.
0: Well, what the Dudleys need, honestly, is to do what Jericho does, which – and I know they can – when they come back, I was actually excited because I hadn't seen them in a while. But I think they they can come for a month or two. And then leave for a handful of months and then come back for another two months. And it'd be okay to kind of have them come back two or three times a year. And maybe have one significant match and then kind of go away. But to have them on every single show for no reason. And have these... They don't even have feuds at this point. They just kind of fight (laughs) people. It, It kind of just wastes a lot of time. And it's not exciting at all. And it really diminishes them as a tag team. Well, this entire month
1: they've been having that feud with Enzo and Cass. But Enzo and Cass are on to bigger and better
0: things. Because Enzo and Cass are great. And that that brings us to the first match of the uh, actual card, which was the fatal four-way tag match for the uh, WWE Tag Team Champion.
1: Great match. My only problem with it is, is that I don't understand tag matches with more than three teams. I don't get it. It's too hard to follow. Like even as somebody who's been watching wrestling now for a really long time, it's just way too hard to follow. I feel like all the teams mess up. The ref has no idea what's going on. Perfect example at the end of that match when the club tagged in to try and win it when Biggie was going for the big ending. I'm pretty sure the club tagged Aiden English, member of the VOD Villains, and. Aiden English was the legal man the entire time. They made it out to be that he tagged Big E. I'm 100% sure he didn't tag Big E.
0: And then there's that other weird spot where Big E and Kofi hit their big finish on a guy, and then they went and pinned the other guy that was in the ring because they put the finish on somebody who wasn't even the match. Like, if you were going to p- put a finish on somebody, fi- do the finisher on the guy who's actually legal. Like, why yeah. waste your time putting a finisher on someone if the other guy is really down for the count?
1: Well, I guess that it wouldn't break up the pin, but you're right. I thought it was a good match for what it could be. I think these, whenever you do these fatal four-way, triple threat tag team matches, there's just too much to keep up
0: with. I I hate fatal four-ways because I just don't think they make any sense at all. Like, why would you ever tag somebody for the other team in? Like, I always think if you're going to have a four-way tag team match, you might as well have one person from each team in and just have one-on-one on -on -on one-on-one yeah and like if you have four people active during a match, then so be it, it at least it 's less confusing that way and you 're just tagging your partners in like a usual match. But when you have the thing where you could tag somebody else in it doesn't it doesn 't make any sense because why why would you ever ask for so, another teammate 's help yeah and, and I always wondered couldn 't you if you 're in this match and you 're a part of a tag team couldn 't you conceivably trick somebody <laughs> into tagging your partner? And then yes. you could just both be the legal man at the same time and win because nobody could pin you? Well, you'd pin each other. No, but you're both on the same team. So, yeah, either way, you win. Yes. So, like, but how, like how hasn't that ever happened? We've had Fatal Four Ways <laughs> for, like, 30 years. And not once has somebody tagged, like, has well, somebody, okay. like, brought the other guy into their own corner and had the guy tag <laughs> him on the back. So he now the two legal men are on the same team, and that's just the match. It's over. Well, you have to the, – the match has to end in a
1: pinfall. So I would assume you have to pin your own partner, which conceivably then the other teams would just come in and break up the pin. I guess. <laughs> I think it would be more difficult than you think. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's stupid. I, it should have happened at some point. They should be tornado tag matches where just all eight men are allowed in the ring. Yeah, just I think let so. Chaos, let chaos reign.
0: And, and- – if you want to do first pin wins, that's fine. If you want to do that, you could eliminate one by one in the last man standing in the in wins. I think that'd be pretty cool, too. That'd be fun. Like, but they, they just got to get rid of the fatal four-way altogether, or at least do them less frequently. Because it seems like every pay-per-view now has one of these things, whether it's with the women's division or with the actual like tag team belt. Yeah, well, the tag team division's grown so big that they kind of have to.
1: Which, which brings me to my next point everybody keeps talking about Anderson and Gallows. Is there some big thing? I don't think I've yet to see them wrestle for more than three minutes out of all the teams in that match. They were in
0: the ring, the least. They are exciting to like the 50 people that ever watched new Japan and knew the backstory between them and AJ. And now that people kind of know that it's understandable, but like, nobody's really excited to see them. I think it's, I think it's Gallows. The big guy is Gallows. And, uh, I still
1: can't get over the fact that he was once Festus. And I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, to me, that I, I can't take him seriously now.
0: Their look is really bad. It just It's not appealing. They don't have music that excites you. None of them have said anything on the mic that's gotten you excited. They had the one moment that they kind of turned on AJ, but then not really. Because then they went back and they've been helping AJ again. And yeah. I think... I I like when people have a posse, like AJ to have them as bodyguards or backup is cool. But if you're going to do that, I'd rather them not be in the actual, you know, in championship matches and actually fighting people. Like if they're going to be his muscle, then just let them be his muscle. Yeah. For anybody
1: listening who doesn't know who Festus is, maybe back in like 2006, Luke Gallows was a guy named Festus who, he was basically a mindless zombie. If I'm, I couldn't. I, I honestly never knew if it was a mental illness that he had, or something else. But he was basically a mindless zombie. And when the ring bell would go off, he'd become this monster who just destroyed people. And that's why I can't take Gallo seriously. Is because now he's a serious person who, able bodied and talks. But before he was a guy who couldn't say words until the ring bell went off, and he looked the same. Well, no, he had his tongue hanging out. Yeah, but besides that. <laughs> one the biggest thing for me that i took away from that match was before the match even started and that was the new day and enzo and Cass are just going to carry this division for so long the way they talk and the way they hype up matches and the way they cut promos it's it's special it doesn't happen very often um, they're easily the most entertaining tag team since the new age outlaws
0: uh in the attitude era we're back in their prime <laughs> oh yeah not not uh last year's new age outlaws <laughs> because that was a little disappointing But you you can't say enough good things about the New Day. There's rarely a segment uh, where they show up and you're not excited that they're there or that they do something that's stale. The outfits are great. I love how happy they are. I loved them as heels. I like them a lot as baby faces. I wouldn't mind if they turned them back heel again. But as long as they've got the three of them versus the two of everyone else – and they've got the trombone and they have the dance and they have the bootio and the unicorns and the more and more ridiculous stuff they add on the better it gets. Yeah, I mean And they're I, all great on the mic. Oh, they're fantastic.
1: I'm still waiting for the WWE to actually create an actual Bootio cereal, not just the box.
0: Yeah, that's a missed opportunity on their part. <laughs> and you're right about Enzo and Cass too. I, I mean, I think the gimmick is a little it's a little too much for me. But the fact that the audience is so into it and the crowd gets so hyped, I buy it. Like, I normally wouldn't be into it because I'd be like, this is a little forced. Like, it's the same thing they're saying all the time. And he's just really loud and obnoxious. But because the crowd is so into it, I'm, I I get into it and I really appreciate them. And I think they're really good wrestlers, too. They put on a good show in the ring. And the different size contrast really works. They come into the ring and I do the entire intro that they do. and
1: yell it. To myself, to other people, I find it so fun. How you doing? S a w f t. It's it's a it's a blast. It's
0: fun to watch. Yeah, and, and they <laughs> and they seem like they're really into it. Like it doesn't. It seem, so it's an extreme thing, and it's crazy, and it's overdone. But they seem to really enjoy it themselves. Like Enzo's totally into it. Oh yeah, and it, they just look great in the ring together because Big Cass is giant. Like he, he is a he's huge great guy. He's uh, a good wrestler too. Yeah. Do you hate the Vod villains? Not in a heelish way. Like you know, they're actually not particularly exciting in any sense <laughs> way. Um. You know, I'm kind of indifferent.
1: I feel like they have promise and potential, and it's different, which uh, something I can understand. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how I feel about the whole circus look and all of that.
0: Yeah, I I don't like the. Whichever one of them has the the one bra strap, <laughs> Simon Gotch. If you're if you're gonna do uh, go with like a strap, might as well put one on both sides or not have one. It just looks weird to have his boob exposed the entire match. Uh, and if you're gonna have something like they do, where it's a gimmick that's totally ridiculous, it's not realistic <laughs> at all. It's people just playing characters. You have to go in one hundred thousand percent. And I feel like. Just just by giving them the outfits and putting them black and white when they walk in doesn't make me think that they're really from that era. Like, I want to think that they were, like, just got defrosted after being, like, cryogenically frozen for a hundred years. Just just as a tangent for a, a quick second, was that Time Machine bit the New Day did a couple weeks ago
1: just not the best promo that's ever happened in, like, a really long time? It's the best. <laughs> that, that Time Machine promo... Cracked me up. It was so funny. <laughs> when Kofi came out of the box and he had the Jamaican accent again, <laughs> and they pulled him back
0: in the box and he said, no, 2009 was my best year. That's classic, classic stuff. It's like if in five years from now, Rusev will uh, have the <laughs> accent that he has right now. All right. It's that time, Corbin Ziegler. <laughs> uh, I, I think we've already discussed it enough. I, I feel... I, the one thing I'll say is that I wasn't a big fan of Aaron Corbin in NXT and watching him on the main roster, I actually think he's a really impressive wrestler, and I, I know how talented Dolph Ziegler is and how great he's had, how great some of his matches have been. And usually when he's in the ring, he puts on a great show, but they really need to do something with Dolph to figure uh, figure him out. They either have to give him a break for a few months and kind of revamp him, bring him back and hopefully give him a feud right away or they've got to give him a push now, or I really don't know what they could do with him.
1: Yeah, I'm going I'm to try gonna hit on Corbin first. The first thing I look at in a superstar, really, is I just want to see their finishing move. If it's something that I think, in all honesty, can put people away. And I'll give credit to Baron Corbin on this. That finishing move is brutal.
0: Yes, it is. It looks like he
1: can kill somebody. Easily. I, I always think that he has actually killed opponent, the end of days, is a, a tremendous finishing move, and um, yeah. it'll probably get banned in the next year or so. <laughs> I, I was just looking at my notes, and I wrote in here, "What the hell happened to Dolph Ziggler?"
0: Yeah, it's it's a tremendous collapse. I know you always, whenever we talk about wrestling, bring up the uh, Survivor Series match. Yeah, and it was such a a moment. And even if you knew that he was going to win after he, you know, eliminated the first two guys, <laughs> it was still special. And he carried yeah. it, and they proved how great of a wrestler and how resilient a wrestler he was. And to go from that, to being that high and, like, that over with fans to they just haven't given him a feud since. And it feels like every feud that they give him, something goes wrong about one match in that just kills it. Like, the Rusev feud lasted six months when it should have lasted about <laughs> a month and a half. And then they started switching girlfriends and wives. And then Rusev and of killed it by getting engaged. And then they wound up turning on each other. And it just made Ziegler look like a fool that whole match. And I like Rusev a lot, too. And that whole feud kind of ruined Ziegler. And since then, he's had the Tyler Breeze thing where he jobbed to Breeze for no reason. <laughs> because now Tyler Breeze is nothing, so he jobbed him for nothing. And now he's kind of jobbing to Baron Corbin. And I think Corbin's got potential. But this feud hasn't propelled Corbin up to the point where I think... Oh man, look at Corbin, he's an elite talent and all of a sudden because he meet Dolph Ziegler, because I just I had no opinion of Dolph Ziegler going into it, even though I know he's a great wrestler.
1: Yeah, I still think that Survivor Series match is the biggest push that WWE has given any superstar of all time. And they never capitalized on it or anything. He was in a few title matches and he lost them all. He hasn't had a title since that match. Um and really when I look at him, I see him as being a guy who they're using to bring up new talent. And that's something that's usually reserved for older guys. Like, Dolph Ziggler's still in the prime of his career, and he he's being pushed to the likes of guys who are making their debuts. Like, Jericho, when he was back a few years ago, he was the guy bringing people, you know, bringing up younger superstars. But that was when he was 40-something. Ziggler's in the best of his,
0: best time of his career right now, and they're wasting him. And even with that, when, when you come up and you beat Jericho, even if he hasn't been around and you know he isn't as good as he once was, he has the the pedigree yes. that tells you he's won championships. He's been WWE champion before. He's been around for a while. He's beat up the top competitors in wrestling. And Ziegler, when you come up and fight him, recently we know he's had good matches – or recently, is in like the last three years, I guess, he's had some pretty good matches. But he doesn't come with like, oh, this is like a five-time champion, or this is like a wily veteran. He's just the guy that has had, put on some really good matches, and he can make you look really good in ring. But beating him doesn't mean the same as it means beating Jericho, even if Jericho wasn't necessarily in his prime when you did it. It's, it's sad. I, I just have a feeling that he's going to be cut at some point soon which is really upsetting because he was a great wrestler. But if they can't figure it out, they might, it might be best for both of the, the parties just to kind of let Dolph go out and do his thing for a few years and then maybe come back, kind of like what Cody Rhodes is doing now.
1: I hope he figures it out because he's, he's been great. Um, I'm really not looking forward to talking about this next match, Nick.
0: Uh, I didn't care at all about it. I was disappointed that uh, it wasn't a, a title match. It just kind of seemed out of place. I don't know what Dana Brooke is doing as part of Charlotte's posse now. Oh, you even you skipped it. You weren't even talking about the same match I was. What, were you talking about Apollo Cruz and Sheamus? Yes. On my Wikipedia thing, it's in the other order. <laughs>
1: oh, David They have no, Charlotte she- is
0: five. Maybe Sheamus.
1: It was, maybe Sheamus and Cruz was after, but that I just want to talk about that because that was going to take five seconds. That match is awful. The 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 she- Apollo she- Crews and Sheamus. Yeah. 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 I, it was and a I'm- waste. I know what they're trying to do. I know they're trying to set up this this new age versus old guard type of feud. And I don't know when when it's going to go down. Probably at Survivor Series they'll do new age superstars versus you know old superstars. But it was just awful. It was just it was a lame finish. Uh, Apollo Crews is too talented to be in matches like that. Uh,
0: Storyline felt forced, and it was it was bad. The one thing I took away from that match is that I love the new long bearded Seamus that looks kind of like a pirate.
1: It's, so you don't like braided beard Sheamus?
0: It, it was ridiculous <laughs> and dumb, but I understood why they had the braided beard. But now when they get rid of the braids and they, he just has the long beard, I think it actually looks good. I do miss his old song though. <laughs> I, I miss being able to say it's a shameful thing. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. That's about all that match deserves. All right, and just and to go back on the Charlotte Dana Brooke <laughs> match that uh, we skipped over, <laughs> uh, I think I, I think it's a throwaway match, and it's unfortunate because they do have a lot of women that are really good in the division right now. But what I, I just hope they keep letting Charlotte hold on to the belt and running with it, and kind of make it mean something. Because when you see her standing next to everybody else, she is bigger, she does look stronger, she has an impressive move set she's her mic work has improved over the last year pretty tremendously, and she has real heat, like people truly dislike her and are booing her, and when you have a heel like that i I just always feel like you should keep go letting it go until she kind of it cools down
1: I really hope she loses next month <laughs> um. I still think Paige is their best, their best woman. I, I, I seem to enjoy Paige matches more than I do Charlotte matches. That's probably just because I haven't seen Charlotte win a clean match in.
0: That, that's a, that's a fair Absolutely. point. If they keep Charlotte with it, she has to start winning clean. She can't win every single match, uh, dirt, uh like you know, with some sort of weird interference or disqualification. And I guess you could have made the same argument with Seth last year but eventually he did start winning matches on his own and that really made him go from like somebody that everybody wanted to lose every time to someone who they were happy to be booing him and i really i really feel bad for becky
1: lynch because she has now gotten to this point where she just keeps getting betrayed by people
0: yeah that's so unfair she i, I feel like we have to be friends with her oh
1: yeah i mean i she seems like I, a nice woman yeah she's like my third favorite woman's wrestler and, and she's never really won a match at all. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate.
0: AJ Styles versus John Cena. AJ this Styles is... wins.
1: <laughs> uh, we talked about this a little last night. Um, I was really disappointed. You, you label thing a dream match and I don't think it lived up to that.
0: There's always a the talk whenever you have this long, epic match between two great wrestlers that, oh my god, that's like a, a match of the year contender. And I just that match was 25 minutes long, and I was not really entertained for about 20 of the 25 minutes.:
1: It was probably the biggest takeaway of all money in the bank I took from the, this this match, and it was it was self-deprecating in a way, because here you have John Cena, who, for really for 15 years, has been the guy at WWE. He's won 15 world titles. He's done everything you could ask of any wrestler. And they put, pit him against this match against AJ Styles. And I think everybody thinks John Cena, He he's not a good wrestler. He had five moves of doom. And I, and I never get on John Cena that way because I understand that when you're the face of a company like he has been, they're never going to let him do all the moves he can do out of fear of injury. He already gets hurt enough. Right. Um, but it was self-deprecating in a way because they just had AJ Styles wrestle around him. Like he was they made AJ Styles like the superior wrestler and it was almost like embarrassing the, to the WWE that this was the guy John Cena was the guy that had been the best in their company for so long.
0: Uh, to be fair at the end of the match was smoggy. It was they had you know Anderson and Gallo came back in because obviously they did and they kind of helped out for a small small to- uh, portion but I mean AJ was pretty much controlling the match and it didn't it just it Cena never really seemed to have a push at all in that match
1: no he he never had any momentum and i and I hated the ending um i was- I was really disappointed. I think when you label something a dream match, I want both guys to be at the top of their game and on even footing and at no point did I ever feel like that was the case
0: and I just keep thinking that they turned a j who was one of the hottest guys around they turned him heel really quickly after being a face for all of a month and a half. And it doesn't seem to have paid off at all. I mean, fans are... are they kind of had him turn on the fans. And it was for this really shitty match against John Cena, who the fans don't even like. Yeah. So nice. I, I don't see the payoff. If you're going to turn him heel, you might as well go all the way and make it something special. Or it you, you better pay off. And right now they turned him heel, I think, too quickly. And... So far, the returns haven't been good. I mean, I enjoyed it much more as a babyface wrestler against Roman, and how he had been against Jericho than I did against uh, Cena.
1: You know, obviously they're gonna they're gonna continue this one, and I'm really hoping that they they write the ship because it's, uh, it's off course
0: and by a lot. Next match, we we already talked about the ladder match enough at the beginning. Um, Rusev beats Titus <laughs> O'Neil. This was the, uh, the popcorn match to let everybody go out and uh, watch the end of the NBA Finals. It, it started with about five minutes left in the, uh, in the, in the uh, basketball game, and it seemed like right when the buzzer went off and the confetti stopped falling, somebody uh, tapped yourself on the shoulder, and he put one move in the accolade, it was over. It was the perfectly timed final eight minutes of the uh, thing.
1: To, to WWE's credit, I thought they did that perfectly. But I, I, I don't know. I felt like if they were going to do this, this was, th- this doesn't give Rusev anything. Titus O'Neil hasn't won a match in, Ages. Two, two, three years it feels like, and or so at least as a solo, uh, yeah, guy. And so I figured, if they're going to do it, Titus O'Neil has to win to get this huge push. And he got destroyed, so I didn't really see the point in having the match at all other than for them to say, hey, this is something we can use when LeBron beats Steph.
0: (laughs) I mean, it it worked. I'm fine with it. Uh, Hopefully the feud doesn't continue for no reason because it had no heat now. (laughs) Uh, I like Titus because I think he looks impressive whenever you see him. He's huge. And I think Titus is really powerful. I mean, he looks great, and he has a good moveset.
1: He played defensive end. He won a national championship at Florida. I think he's impressive in his own right. Yeah. Um, just, I, I like that they finally have gotten back to Rusev being Rusev that he was when he debuted. The, the Rusev crush? Yeah, not this emotional Bulgarian who can't wrestle.
0: Right. He's no longer sad. He's no longer super angry or super patriotic either. He's just a guy that goes and hurts people. And beats them in 8 minutes and 30 seconds while LeBron is celebrating. Exactly. Hopefully, maybe they can get Dolph Ziggler in a feud with Rusev and (laughs) propel both of them up. Or maybe put Dolph Ziggler in a feud with Rusev again and uh, just fire both of them when the feud's over. Because it worked (laughs) out so well the first time for both of them. And then we've got the main event. Seth Rollins defeats Roman Reigns to reclaim his championship belt. Well deserved, I felt. I missed Seth immensely when he was gone.
1: Yeah,
0: so did I. I'll say this. As
1: disappointed as I was about AJ Styles, John Cena, this match wasn't disappointing. They hyped it up as a WrestleMania main event, and it had a WrestleMania-type feel, match, feel to it. It was a really good match from the start to the end.
0: Leading up to the match, I thought that they were going to overblow it and overhype it, and it wouldn't really uh, amount to much. Because I just didn't think they gave it enough time. And to say, oh, it's WrestleMania caliber, we're just putting on this little show, I thought that was going to just be, you know, exaggeration. But when, when, it, when push came to shove and they had the match, the match was really good. Can you remember a time that Seth or Roman were in a match? I'm not saying together. Just any match that Seth was in or Roman was in that wasn't phenomenal? Um, no, I can't. They, they, again, they're, they're the two
1: top guys at this company, and they and that's the reason why. They don't put on a bad match.
0: You could like or hate Roman as a character, and you could like or hate his look, and you could like or hate the storyline behind him, but he gets a lot of shit for not being able to wrestle, and I, he puts on great matches time and time again. I mean, it's been a long time. I think every match that he's had since he came back uh, from his injury has been pretty spectacular. And Seth, that whole run when he was champion, every match he had, night after night after night, was great. And even if the endings were, they, were never, they weren't they were always clean, and he had some weird, goofy stuff leading up to the matches, and the stuff of the authority got tired, but his matches were always on point. He was always great in ring. Yeah, Roman gets that. Roman gets
1: that, that identity as not being a good wrestler, and to some extent, I can understand that. But every match, he does something different that he's never done before. And I give him so much credit for that because there's a moment in every match where he does something where I say,
0: wow, I did not expect that at all. There's something to being a brute and being extremely strong and powerful and impressive looking. And I think the thing that people don't like is that his moveset's pretty basic. He has a really big punch. He has a really big kick. He has a really big spear. He jumps on the people on the side of the apron, and sometimes he goes flying. But, man, he does those things where he lifts the people up with one arm like using yeah. just his back and he lifts them up entirely and slams them down, or he'll do something off the turnbuckle where he goes and he like does a complete power slam. Those yeah. things look insane. Yes, it,
1: and he's impressive. He is impressive. And Seth was impressive last night too. And my biggest concern about this match was: this is Seth's first match back. What about if they don't let him go full throttle? They don't want to test that knee he went 110%. He was doing things that he didn't do before the injury. It was he was incredible out his, there. His
0: arms looked jacked too, which is nice. I guess he couldn't work out his legs, <laughs> so he was just kept pumping and lifting. So that's always good. And I I liked the new uh, Seth look. It's not as good as the white Ranger look that he had for a handful of matches last year, but yeah, I liked the new uh, purple outfit. I thought it would fit him pretty well. That
1: that move where he jumped, countered Roman spear into a pedigree, that's one of the best counters I've seen in a really long time I
0: I jumped up out of my chair when I saw that (laughs) because I was like oh here comes the spear and then it was like oh it's a pedigree oh my goodness oh that's incredible because it wasn't like it wasn't one of those like bad counters where like it's
1: forced it looked like he actually did it
0: yeah it was totally natural Roman went flying head first and (laughs) Seth jumped up and at the perfect time just landed right on him It, 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 it worked and it was very believable and he won and I didn't think I didn't think they'd let him win that first match against Roman. I thought there was a chance that Dean at the end would come in and take the belt from whoever wound up winning. But I really didn't think that they'd have Seth on his first night back beating Roman. Neither did I. But I guess I guess when you think about it, it makes sense. He was so good last year. I think if he's not your favorite wrestler in the company, uh, I, I don't know what you're watching because. The, the company had a noticeable void. I mean, they did okay, all right when he was gone, but there was a noticeable void when he was gone. And when he was around, everything he said was great. The way he acted was great. Every match he put on was great. The storylines around him sometimes, I guess, could have uh, used a little bit of work. But overall, I was just always impressed with his product. And he got better and better as the year went on as he was champion. Oh that's
1: that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest uh, praise you can give to a superstar is that they get better
0: and better. Yeah, he was he was great when he came in, and he's gotten so so much further ahead. I mean, when he was with, when the shield was together, to go back to that because you have had the shield reunion at the end, although it was an anti reunion. You always thought Seth was pretty cool and Dean was pretty cool, but Roman was always the big guy that you were excited about. You know, when you were yes. playing. 2K, you're always like, I want to be Roman because he's the big powerful guy and he's impressive and he looks like Kyle Drogo and he looks like, you know, a Dothraki. Yeah. And when Seth was the guy that wound up turning on them, you always thought, well, I wonder what's going to happen with Seth. I don't know if he has the ability to necessarily carry everybody if they're going to make him to be the one solo guy. And he's so clearly far and away the best of the three and the best in the company right now. No oh, easily, and th- that's why I guess when I
1: sat back and I thought they let him win it was it didn't it made so much sense to
0: just have him come back and naturally be the guy again, especially and, especially if they're going to turn him heel the first night he comes back because if they would bring him back and everybody's behind him, and he's like uh, going to do some weird baby face thing, it would have made sense maybe to draw it out a little longer to kind of build the anticipation, but if you're going to have him come in as a powerful heel once again, it makes sense to give it right away.
1: Yeah, and then we talk about all this. He celebrates for 30 seconds, and Dean's music cuts. And my first reaction was, okay, he's going to come out. He's going to show him the briefcase. Nothing's going to happen. And then when he came from behind and hit him in the back of the head, my my honest thought was Roman is going to spear Dean and screw him.
0: That's what I thought. I was for sure that Roman was going to... I thought Roman was either going to turn on Dean, or Roman was going to somehow screw it up, or that... Or that, that's what the other thing why I thought it made more sense to have Roman win and then Dean goes and beats him up because then at least you could have either Seth ruin uh, Dean's thing or you could have Dean turning on Roman like that. But that Roman wasn't involved at all. He was just sat on the sideline and watched. It was kind of interesting. It was interesting. And I i wonder
1: if they're probably because they're setting, a new, setting him up for SummerSlam with
0: Lesnar or Triple H or something along those lines. Do you How long do you see Dean having the championship? Do you think this belt is something that he carries through SummerSlam and maybe beyond, or do you think it's maybe a one-month thing and then he might go back and forth with someone? I could see him carrying it until the end of the year. He's really good.
1: Seth's really good. It's going to be really fun to watch those two go to war. But ultimately, I think the reason why I say I think he's going to carry the belt for a long time is I think Seth has reached that level where now – any match he's in is a big time match. I think I call it the CM Punk level. Mm-hmm. He's in that level where you don't need a title for him to have a big match. So I, I could see him feuding with anybody and it working. I know Bray came back tonight. Raw spoiler. Um, oh, did he? I didn't watch Raw. That's I didn't good watch, for him.
0: I didn't watch it either, but I caught it on Twitter. So, Do you know why Baron Corbin, I was going to mention this before, do you know why Baron Corbin isn't part of the Wyatt family? <laughs>
1: I have no idea because he wasn't ready and Braun Strowman was.
0: Because like uh, from all I can tell, Baron Corbin has more personality, is a much better wrestler than Braun Strowman and has the exact same look. They're both giant.
1: Yeah, I mean, here I think Baron Corbin might have a little too much personality for the Wyatt family because I honestly think you just want Bray to stand alone with these three monsters behind him.
0: You don't think that adding somebody with a little bit of personality into the Wyatt family might actually help them get somewhere? Bray is so good. By himself.
1: But um. There have been rumors that they're going to bring a sister Abigail.
0: If they do that. And that that clears that. I, I wonder if Bo Dallas is going to be sister Abigail. <laughs> oh, Bo. No
1: social outcasts are too cool man.
0: <laughs> oh one. So just to go back to the title match. At some point they stopped letting Roman walk down the staircase. Yes. Which was like the best part of his personality even when people were booing him and it made him cool and they never really announced when that stopped and I can't pinpoint when but some point it may have just been this year but some point between like December and now he stopped walking down the stairs yeah it was a few months
1: ago i noticed that a couple months yeah.
0: ago i don't know when the last time he walked down was but i just i remember one day sitting there and being like wow he's not doing the stair thing anymore maybe it was once he became the champion yeah i mean that I was like know, the was, coolest thing about that
1: yeah it was cool but i don't know I guess when you have that many injuries and all of that that goes into it, eventually you just say, hey, maybe it's safer to just have you come out
0: through the stage. Yeah, that's probably true. And especially with the fans booing, you don't know when somebody crazy is going to do something. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add? Do you want to talk briefly about WWE overall? Or Yeah, let's go a few minutes just talking about uh, the future. I guess, what does this mean? My whole problem that I've had, because it's been really hard for me to pay attention to Raw, the last month and a half or so since they said that there was going to be another brand split. I'm not against the idea of a brand split, and they have so many talented people that it makes sense to kind of split them up and to have two different shows because they have the talent to fill that out. But when they telegraph it this far in advance and you know that in about a month it's all going to reset and start over... I, it makes it really hard for me to care about what's going on in the ring right now because I just feel like in, a, in two or three weeks it's all going to be for nothing. I'm just wasting my time.
1: For one, I'm really excited about the brand split. I think there are a lot of guys who have kind of. I haven't. I honestly have like there are guys who I haven't seen wrestle who I think are extremely talented, really good, and so on. I don't know where Neville is. I think he's been hurt, hasn't he? Oh, has
0: he? See, I have no idea. It's it's so hard to keep track of the injured people at this point. It's which hard is to keep track of injuries,
1: but it's even harder to keep track of the guys who just don't have the time to wrestle. My biggest
0: hope is that they don't break up the new day. I hope I hope that all the tag teams, even the ones I don't care for that much, kind of stay together unless they decide to go on the road. Like, I, I would really like the New Day to stay together. I'd like the Usos to stay together, the Leisure Dragons to stay together. Even if there's the tags I don't like that much, I just, the idea of splitting guys like that up is kind of, it, s- it sours me. Like, you make the rules, you can keep them together. I think
1: they're going, what, what I honestly believe they're going to do is
0: they're going to let Dean,
1: uh, Roman Reigns, and Seth carry Raw. Those three are going to stay there. I think Cena and AJ Styles are going to carry this feud into SmackDown. And I ultimately think that they're going to create a a new belt for SmackDown and AJ Styles and John Cena is going to be a first title match for that. And so it's going to be either John Cena ties the record or AJ Styles finally wins one at WWE. And I'm actually kind of excited about that if they if they go that route.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I You know my opinion on the belts that I don't, I usually don't like adding belts because I think it kind of confuses things. I remember when they had the SmackDown belt before, it was always kind of questionable which belt meant more. And whenever you have two belts, there's always going to be the brand fusion in a year or so, and then you're always going to have the two be- the title-for-title title match, and then they go and carry the two belts for a month, and then they fuse them together, and then they split them back up again. And It's always kind of just, I always think that's just a little messy, so I'm against adding belts for that reason. But the way you laid it out with AJ and Cena, that makes a lot of sense for that to be its own feud and to be a title thing. And I, I'm I'm big on the idea of giving the women their own tag team division and kind of a tag belt there because they've never had one. And there are so many women on the roster right now that I feel like having just one belt and one or two feuds at a time isn't really enough to support that.
1: I could, I could potentially get on board with that. I just think that at that point, then you're kind of... I think eventually you have to just weigh, like, how much does that division mean to you? I always think it's really important. I enjoy the women's division. But for it to have two title belts, now you're devoting a lot of time to it.
0: Well, it's it's not like the three hours on SmackDown right now is being used effectively anyway. If they want to put one more meaningful women's division match in SmackDown instead of, like, a five-minute segment where... Breezango go in and get beat up by, like, Mark Henry for no reason, then I'm fine with it.
1: Well, I think with now, if you're going if you're going two completely separate, unique rosters, the SmackDown's not going to be useless anymore because it's going to have its very own storylines and stuff like that.
0: Right, and that's why I think that you might be able to carry a second a feud for the, female, the women's division. I mean, the, here's the active roster for the women's division. You have Charlotte at the top. And then the next kind of tier is Sasha, Page, and Nikki Bella. And then you also have Becky Lynch. And then you've got Natalia, you have Alicia Fox, you have Dana Brooke, you have Emma when she's healthy, you have Eva Marie, you have Naomi, you have uh, Tamina. And then also in NXT, you have uh, Bailey and Asuka, who are both really, really talented. So when you count that up, you've got 10 to 12 people that are talented. And it's a nice mix of young, new talent, plus veterans that are established. Plus, you know, you could have a couple jobbers in there. But I think you have enough people that you can carry to it Can't It can't always be Charlotte's the main attraction and we're going to have these two girls fighting over her. I think if you just add one more belt and you make – you have enough people that you can make three or four legitimate tag teams with them um, and have them compete while Charlotte and somebody like Sasha or somebody like Paige – can go a month or two with a real feud for the actual title. I think that's fair. Let me bring up uh, just
1: a, a – I want to get your thoughts on this. What if they don't create a second world heavyweight title belt on SmackDown? Instead, they take this cruiserweight classic and make the cruiserweight title the title on SmackDown. Like, that's the big attraction is the cruiserweight division on SmackDown.
0: And I, they, keep, and they I, keep all the heavyweight superstars on the wall. I would love that. I think something I think something like that would be great. And I just hope that the two keep interacting that you don't completely forget about one or the other at any time.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Which is why I want to kind of do a pay-per-view or two a year where they fight each other and it's, you know, brand versus brand type of thing. And
0: I I think good. that would be good. I'm I'm also I'm not a huge fan of the individual the raw and smackdown having their own pay-per-views i think it'd be okay if you had a pay-per-view where you had a raw feud and then the next match was a smackdown feud and the next match was a raw feud and doing it that way then wrestlers from both wouldn't necessarily have to be on every month
1: i would prefer to see two pay-per-views a year for each i want raw to have two pay-per-views a year and smackdown have two pay-per-views a year
0: okay i'm fine with that too I, I, I'm fine giving SmackDown and Raw each one or two individual ones where it's all of them and they're the focus. I think that I think that works. I just don't want it to be solely all Raw's and then solely all SmackDown's alternating months and then like you have no, one big one I don't to think, come together. I don't, you, I don't think you can
1: do that personally because then you have guys like Seth Rollins who aren't taking big matches for two months. Right. Um, but I think every now and then to give those guys you know, maybe a little breather, I think the way it works that way. To just say, hey, this month is SmackDown's thing and we'll develop a huge storyline over the next two months on Raw and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And like nothing gets – I've always kind of wished that they gave people breaks a little more often. I mean I liked the fact – oh, I remember the one thing that I forgot before, um, that The Miz wasn't on the card this month at all. Thank God. And and he's he's the IC title holder. So it was interesting that they didn't even have a champion wrestle or show up at all. They didn't even mention him. So I kind of liked that. And I, I like Miz. I think he's been doing a good job lately. I uh, hate but Miz. I liked that they were willing to yeah. hold a champion out for a month and not, they didn't feel obligated to give him a match, even if it was just a throwaway match. Because I think when he, you have people stand out for a while and miss some time, uh, even if it's just naturally like that, giving them a, a month or so off. Whenever they come back, they always kind of get an extra pop. Isn't it, isn't it that kind of counterproductive, though, when you have a throwaway U.S. title match like they did? I would have much rather Rusev not fight at all this month and mm-hmm. have him beat up Titus O'Neal for five minutes.
1: And like, I would have much rather had The Miz lose the Intercontinental Championship to somebody. But I guess their thing was, I think the reason why he didn't have a match is because all the regular Intercontinental Champion...
0: Right, they, they were
1: all in the ladder match. Yeah, they were all in the ladder match.
0: All right, any last thoughts on this, or uh, are we going to call it quits for now? We can talk again next month after the next pay-per-view if you want.
1: Oh, always. I'm always down to talk WWE. I guess
0: we're going to have to do some sort of thing post-brand split, uh, which should be coming up, whether it's, you know, kind of reviewing the draft that they do or kind of ideas or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, we we'll definitely have to do something like that. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's scheduled for June 21st. July 21st, sorry.
0: So. Yeah, so it's about exactly a month away.
1: Yeah, it'll so. be uh, – it's a it's a changing time, but I think um, I think it's gonna be for the better. In all honesty, and uh, I think Sunday kind of pushed it in the right direction toward being that.
0: All right, Troy. Where can people find you on social media, and uh, where can they read your work? Uh,
1: yeah, so you can always read my stuff at uh, Mets um, I'm basically there every day, heading into work tomorrow morning, um, and uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, at Troy. T R O Y underscore provost P R O V O S T, um, and other than that, that's really only the only social media I use. So,
0: yeah, that makes sense. And you're on there a lot, and you give a lot of good updates on uh, the Mets if you're a Mets fan or a baseball fan. And uh, you always live tweet your reactions during uh, wrestling. So yeah, you're, you're a good follower. <laughs>
1: always, uh, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks for doing this, buddy. I appreciate right, it was it. fun. I'm not you, i